Greetings and salutations. Welcome back. Today's episode, uh, Wednesday, March 10th, 2021, I wanted to talk about the confirmation of Merrick Garland as the new attorney general for Joe Biden. And having listened to both of them, I would say that they are matched bookends, intellectual bookends. Uh, and this couldn't be a better story to follow yesterday's episode. Because the thing that really made, made me decide that this was worth uh, having a podcast episode about was um, a Wall Street Journal article and uh, how it uses absolute BS to explain why Garland's confirmation was a good thing. And I'll kind of read from this article. Um, I'd rather you didn't click on it on, and go look for it or anything because um, I'm tired of media's online nonsense. You should be too. So it says, Washington Senate confirmed Merrick Garland as President Biden's Attorney General, putting a respected jurist and experienced former prosecutor in charge of a Justice Department poised to confront a rising threat of domestic terror extremism excuse me, and aggressively enforce civil rights law amid a nationwide reckoning on race and policing. Now, both of those things, the domestic extremism and the nationwide reckoning on race and policing, are crap. They're based on crap, and who would provide them with the underlying crap? The FBI and the DOJ. We'll get more about why it's nonsense and crap in just a few minutes. But I'll go on, because the Wall Street Journal article further explains, Mr. Garland, 68 years old, was confirmed in a 70-30 vote, vote with both Democrats and Republicans. Now let's stop there and say establishment Republicans, because uh, establishment Republicans are probably... You could probably pigeonhole in the, them into two or three things in the three locations, groupings, right? You have the, I'm selling myself to the highest bidder, or whoever seems to have the, mo the most clout, political clout at the time, which would mean that I, my personal, um, I can, my personal betterment is what they're after. So they really, the R or the D by their name are independent, even really doesn't matter because they're just um, prostituting themselves. Okay, and then there's the others who are such non-fighters that they realize that between the FBI, DOJ, Democrats, Deep State, whatever we have going on, um, that siding with Republicans and voting with Republicans and conservative issues and such um, and traditional American things uh, means there's a, a, a battle in store for them in the future, maybe every day of their career that they're going to have people fighting against them. Maybe they have some skeletons in the closet they don't want to come out, whatever the case might be. But they're not real. You, you voted for me to represent you as, uh, you know, the Republican interest. That's not happening. That's not happening at all. Okay, so let's get back to this. So those Republicans and Democrats hailing him as uniquely equipped to restore morale, stability, and institutional integrity to a Justice Department royal by political storms, during the Trump administration. Okay, let's just say political storms when one party's on the attack and has no real basis or facts or reasons to be on the attack, it's pretty dumb to say that you're going to restore something. In other words, we just won't fight against ourselves anymore. We'll just pretend like that now things are better because people sense these hostilities. Uh, people are more nervous. People have been go look at what the look what the Corona fascism's done as far as like um, 
uh, even Zoom meetings. There's articles out there now saying that Zoom meetings and the way we do business now are really highlighting the difference between high, differences between introverts and extroverts. One is going to do better in this, right, with those Zoom meetings. Um, child, you know, school-age children rise in suicides. This is horrible. But hey, that somebody's this is part of somebody's plan, and other people are expendable, I suppose. So, um, I wanted to bring up something else that kind of goes along with this, as far as the fight and timing your battles. And um, you know whose name's come has come up recently? It was kind of interesting, Paul Manafort, uh, because like I like I mentioned just previously. If you don't want the system to come after you, you just kind of go along with them. Or you become a fighter and you know you're going to have a tough battle ahead. Most people probably don't know that in 2014, the FBI was looking at Manafort and he voluntarily provided a bunch of information. But then they realized that they couldn't go any further. Uh, this had to do with Russia-Ukraine corruption and money and, and stuff like that. Uh, missing funds. And... Um, what turned out that the FBI had to stand down because Obama's chief counsel, Greg Craig, and the Obama State Department envoy, Cliff Sloan, were the ones who were helping, uh, you know, out in public. We were handing Ukraine billions. And then uh, those people go back and kind of take some of it back for whatever they, you know, maybe untraceable, untracked. They, everybody looked the other way while we do something with these funds. But now that Obama's in the rearview mirror, uh, Deep State decided Manafort would be a juicy takedown, you know, kind of like Carter Page, who was actually helping the CIA. And uh, they actually decided, you know what, that doesn't really, it, it didn't help him. We're going to go after him anyways. So all this stuff's available out there if you look at it. It's just, it's fascinating how they decide to go after people um, and target them, even if they've helped the federal government. Kind of strange, isn't it? So, uh, I don't know if anybody's looked around to see, to look for those two, those differences in the two realities we seem to live in that, I, that I'll talk about occasionally uh, in this podcast. Um, just an observation. One group of people always seem to have teams of people screeching about the other group being in denial about, and then you go ahead and insert your ideology or uh, unproven set of facts. Whereas the other group is basically just going on about its business, uh, doing things, rather than arguing about process and such. Uh, and on those two realities, the, the Wall Street Journal article does exactly that. They, 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 they say the confirmation of America is justified by the rise in domestic extremism. Uh, no, not really. We've known for a very long time that domestic extremism really is not the big center stage thing they should be talking about. And uh, national reckoning on you know, race and policing is, is broad talk and baseless because the FBI and DOJ decided to categorize the Summer of Love 2020 riots as you know, peaceful protests. They've established so far no real white supremacy network operation, right? Uh, they have a few things where they've tried to entrap people and... Uh, so basically, the, what they're doing is they're they're attacking any anyone here in the U.S. anybody who's benefited from living in the U.S. who's also been a law-abiding citizen. And the, their simple trick is to is this is a preface for just about any right or group of rights to be removed by the federal government based on the 
things that they pretend really exist, the domestic extremism and race uh, policing issues. How many times have you heard me say they move from one lie to the next so you can't really stop the process between the lies and they pretend like they're basing today's activities legitimately on yesterday's illegitimate activities. But in fact, they're all illegitimate activities. So here's where things get really awkward. Uh, picture it like this. The FBI and the DOJ are like tag team umpires for your kid's little league team. And for the last, you know, for three, first three innings of the game, the other team has been beaming every one of your batters. And the umpire doesn't give your, the kids the base. He claims that they're all moving into the ball. So finally, the umpire calls the game in the fourth inning, stating, your batters keep interfering with every pitch, and this kind of cheating will not be tolerated. So you leave with a bizarre loss, right? So why would I use this comparison? The FBI and the DOJ have been the responsible parties for rooting out any kind of policing racism, systemic racism, whatever, and any kind of unfairness. And they've been, in, they've been responsible for this for a very long time. And they haven't been able to find any that they could display to base changes on. So if they haven't been able to do that, and they've been in charge of that, why now all of a sudden are they pretending like it exists? They need to convince the American people of some sort of statistical reason why they would, uh, why we should change things, okay? So they're, then they're, and like I said, then they're gonna say, well, because it exists, we've gotta confirm this Merrick Garland guy. So they haven't even been able to find the FBI and DOJ since systemic or institutional racism, even when they had Obama's wingman holder or Loretta Lynch in there, you got to read her interview in the House Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence. The woman's like brain dead or something. I don't remember that. When did you give birth to your child? Well, I don't really remember that. It's kind of a broad, it, it, no answers, no answers at all. Okay, so what they were doing when Obama was in during a race-based type police-involved shooting, was they would send huge teams of investigators in, larger than normal, and they were looking for blood, right? They never could do it. Um, and there's a lot at stake here with these kinds of investigations. And don't you really think that, uh, Hold, uh, that Holder or Lynch or whoever was trying to prosecute the police, would they have been silent or decided to go ahead and charge white police if they thought they could could get the something to stick. And don't forget, the next layer of that are judges like Emmett Sullivan. You'd have to research that man's career to see what crook he is, what a liar, and uh, how he's in the pocket of some kind of interest, and all the outcomes reflect that. Okay, so if you have judges like Sullivan uh, who are willing to give jurors fake instructions or bad instructions or misinform them because they want to clinch a conviction, right? And there are plenty of crooked judges out there like Sullivan. And, and I, I don't know if anybody remembers this, but uh, there were, and this, people talk about this a little bit, and they never really had a reason why. They never could never explain why, but Obama left a lot of federal court seats empty, right? Tons of them, lots of them. Didn't make any sense. He knew he was better off in terms of advancing Marxism by having 10 sure-thing crooked judges than 10 sure-thing crooked judges and 480 judges with integrity. Because at some point, you can't explain or justify keeping the, whole, the high-profile cases out of one of those honest judges' court. So you would lose that. And if those 
prosecutors were using Andrew Weissman-style tactics where they hide the exculpatory evidence, where they badger the witnesses, where they go through the witnesses. And actually, they actually have in his file from Operation Polar Pen, they actually have his people telling the witnesses, coaching the witnesses, threatening the witnesses if they don't stick with whatever they want them to say, what's going to happen to them? It's, it's just very, very bizarre and horrible that these are the people in those types of positions. So there's really no re real good reason to confirm Merrick Garland. If anybody's heard him speak recently, you'll realize that he's, he's as sharp as Joe Biden. So they love to make up those reasons because those reasons appeal to the fake social justice crowd, not to the smart people. There are social justice people out there. Uh, we've seen them. But I don't think, and you, we could probably confirm this, there aren't, as, there aren't as numerous, those social justice people, the real active, the activated ones, right, as the mainstream news wants us to think. Uh, and they don't have facts, reports, details, and that kind of support for any kind of sweeping changes they want to make. And that's why the FBI and DOJ pretended social justice violence wasn't violence and that the, that the uprisings were organic and, uh, and that um, the structural police brutality exists, but it doesn't. Because if it did exist, we would all be hearing about it. So another cute little thing is the way Americans don't want to think they're the, they're the outsider in thought. So these polls, the, the importance of polls in, in, in the United States is, is amazing. Uh, media outlets are using polls uh, when they talk about police use of force cases. Um, they're actually asking the individuals commit, who committed crimes. Uh, not, they're, not, they're not using actual crime data, just interviews in which the, the potential or possible, the alleged felon was asked, to, was forced to use against you. Well, well how do you think they're going to respond, given the opportunity to, with a microphone in the face? Of course, the police were horrible. I was just sitting there giving kids ice cream, and next thing I know, they got me on the ground. So how do you, how do you think they're going to answer that? The use of polls goes hand in hand with other polls that give us, the, the ones that gave us an idea who actually does have ground understanding with as far as the numbers with police use of force. Remember the last good one? This was just maybe within the last month. Uh, the poll determined, I think, believe they surveyed 2,000 people across all spectrum. 43% of all liberals thought that police shot and killed 1,000 unarmed black men, and I believe the year was 2019. And roughly that same percentage in the mid-40s, uh, the same percentage of self-reported conservatives estimated that number to be like 20 or something like that. The actual tally was 13. So has the flow of conservatives are clueless articles floating around there? Have, have, have those subsided? No, they haven't. They haven't subsided at all. So there's another curious abuse of data by liberals. Um... Explain, if you, if you want to make a change to the country, you really need to explain why and what that change should bring about, the realities that we'll see in our daily lives. They can't do that. And you, and you really, data and maybe a little research, some study would help. So the other curious thing they're doing with data, uh, it's becoming more difficult to research crime data by you know looking it up under certain parameters and such. The latest state-of-the-art FBI system is their... Uh, UCR, Uniform Crime Reports, and they take in data and put it in there from a incident-based reporting system, the, the NIBRS. 
and that provides more robust details. It gave him the option to say, yeah, we think this was race-based, this attack. So the problem with that UCR using the nibbers is that only 51% of all agencies in the country are actually contributing. So we too, uh, in our search to understand crime in America, can use, we can turn to the Bureau of Justice Statistics National Crime Victimization Survey to see who commits violent crime and often who's the victim. Uh, the NCVS, the National Crime Victimization Survey, has, um, it's been available for, for some time. And unless you look at the volume and perhaps you can see the trends from year to year or time period that they, reporting period, because uh, it changes a little bit. So one year it was like 517 days of uh, violent crime data were used. And, and here's the sad part. We have that type of information available to us. But our policies and the things that are going on and the decisions being made do not ever turn to those types of statistics. This is part of the numbers are racist thing or, or something, that argument. Uh, it doesn't take long to see who is committing the serious crime. But really, that's like saying, let's put all Americans together in one big shoebox and these people do this and these people are the victims of this, of, of these violent crimes or whatever. Um, there's no talk about that. There's no talk about inner city crime that just has been, been horrible for the people who live there. No, no talk about that. No, no justice for them, apparently. Uh, so we're not using any empirical evidence when we make our decisions now. It's all like anecdotal, these, these tear-jerker sob stories. Uh, and they're cherry-picked, even. Even those. And then we find out later. Here's, here's what I really don't like, is watching an, watching an article looking it up, looking it up, seeing another article. It's updated maybe a little while later. And then we find out maybe two years later that the whole thing was bunk, right? Every last piece of it. Uh, and that there was, it was all just fabricated. All that wasted time, right? So everything I've said in this episode so far backs up the, backs up the theory that I have, right? The one party decided to take over and the FBI and DOJ kind of picked that side theory. And I'll go back to nobody, nobody in the last three years has been able to provide a, an answer or lay out how the Russia hoax happened without some kind of sedition involved. Because it's either that or 200 people are grossly incompetent or so disturbed and driven by their own bias that, um, that it happened. And to pretend that we're not supposed to be upset about it or angry about it or, or anything like that. Or we're not supposed to be angry or upset about the lies coming out of Congress, the deception coming out of Congress, the cover-ups coming out of, the, the things that we have to deal with. Um, yeah, the, the, this facade that America is this straightforward, you know, that shining city on the hill kind of thing. Wow. This is why other countries, I would imagine, this is why other countries they can see through this. Maybe they're more skeptical of their governments uh, and do things against the government, voice, raise up their voices against the government because they're closer to that subsistence level of living. We take things for granted. And that was, that's something like letting our guard down. And with some of the things that have happened, it's pretty clear that we're never really going to get any kind of accountability until there's a major drastic change but that's not going to happen when you've got the fbi doj cia nsa 
you've got everybody on your in your your one big deep state team. And let's end on that. Take care, everybody. God bless. <laughs>